What makes you happy? I mean, isn't happiness one of the aims of life, right? When you say, what do you want in life? For many of us, for many of us, the answer is we just want to be happy. Hey, what makes you happy? That guy at the end at all of 105 years old says pretty much everything makes me happy. So Brene Brown is an author. Um, she's also a research professor in the areas of sociology and social work. And she says this. She says, without exception, every person I interviewed, so she interviews a lot of people in her line of work, every person I interviewed who described living a joyful life or described themselves as joyful actively practiced gratitude and attributed their joyfulness to that practice. Without exception, she's saying that gratitude leads to happiness. The happiest people are not the ones who have the best of everything, but the ones who can make the most of what they have. I mean, don't we all know that, really? Definitely in my case, I know so many people who seem to have way less physically than what I have, and yet their levels of joy are just through the roof. Brene says that in her research, when it comes to gratitude, the word that comes up most frequently is the word practice. That gratitude is something that we need to practice. You know, we've, we've heard of this thing called an attitude of gratitude, right? Funny story, but Jacques, one of our pastors here, really believed that he coined that phrase. Like a few weeks ago, you know, as if it hasn't been around before that. <laughs> the attitude of gratitude. Anyone heard of that before? And we say, people say that we should have an attitude of gratitude, which I completely agree with. An attitude is an orientation or a way of thinking. So that's really important. But an attitude doesn't necessarily translate into action, right? So if gratitude is something that we need to practice, an attitude on its own doesn't automatically get us there. Sometimes we need habits in order to get that attitude of gratitude into action. Did you know that gratitude is not a natural thing? It's not instinctive. If you have questions around that, just try feeding a child over an extended period of time. The phrase that we have to say most frequently in our house when we put something on the table is, what do you say? Thank you. Barry and I ask ourselves all the time, how long do you think we're going to have to say that, ask that question? Um, it's not a natural instinctive thing for a person to just, you know, especially a child, to just acknowledge, oh, this person has done a lot in order to put this on. Gratitude isn't an instinct. Instead, it's something we have to put into action. Brene says this, it's more than just thinking of things we're grateful for. It's verbalizing them too. So Soul Pancake, though the people who made that video that we watched at the beginning, if you ever need a pick-me-up, just Google Soul Pancake. They've got some incredible videos out there just that you can watch and it will make you happy. Um, but they did an experiment with a group of people where they were trying to see the link between gratitude and happiness. And so they took these people through a, a process of, of things. It turns out that the people who are able to verbalize their gratitude to another person 
From the moment they walked in to the time they left, their happiness levels went up by between 4% and 16%. And the ones that went up higher were the people who entered less happy. So we can see this link and research all over the place shows that there is this direct link between happiness and gratitude. I love the American celebration of Thanksgiving. I've never actually been to a Thanksgiving event, um, but you know, the ones that you see on TV where people are sitting around the dinner table and they take turns to say what they're grateful for. I love that idea of actually putting our gratitude into words. We have a, a little bit of a tradition in our family on people's birthdays where one of the first things we do in the morning is each of us takes a turn to say why we love this person and why we are grateful for them as a part of our family. Practice it. A practice is something you have to do over and over and over and over again, especially if you're wanting it to become a habit. Brene Brown in her book, Gifts of Imperfection, she says this, it seems like gratitude without action is a little bit like faith without works. It's not alive. So gratitude, unless it's put into practice, is a bit of a waste of time. Another habit in our home is the habit of saying grace before mealtimes. Many of you would have that same habit as a practice in your homes. But this is case in point because, I mean, I would say that I have an attitude of gratitude. I have an attitude. I'm grateful for most things. Um, but without this habit, I would often just eat. Without the habit of saying grace, I would often just eat. But the habit of saying grace, the fact that this habit is in place, forces me to pause and often it's only when I pause do I remember that I'm actually grateful. And then I take some time to give thanks. And so without the habit, it's just food. But with the habit, it becomes a blessing. And the habit forces me, or forces that attitude of gratitude to come out. It gives it space to come out. So saying grace is probably one of the most universally used gratitude habits. Um, it's something maybe many of you practice or used to do when you were little. If you don't, maybe bring that back as a habit in your, in your household. But this practice goes all the way back, right the way to a passage in Deuteronomy chapter 8, um, which says, when you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God. It's this link between what you've been given and particularly food and praise. This passage in Deuteronomy chapter 8 is actually the first of three that we're going to look at this morning. Um, when, I, when I knew that I was going to preach on the topic of gratitude, it was around about the time of Thanksgiving. And so I went and listened to a bunch of other sermons around Thanksgiving that American preachers were preaching on that Thanksgiving Sunday. And a sermon by Stephen Furtick got me. You know when you can remember the three points afterwards? And I, w I just wanted to tell everyone. And so part of my sermon today, I'm actually going to share those three points with you um, as we go. Because I think the thing is that we really need to grow in gratitude. There's so many things that we count in our society today. We count calories, we count rands and cents, we count steps, we count likes on social media. How about counting the things that we are grateful for? How can we grow in gratitude, especially if our desire is to be happy and there is a direct link between happiness and the practice of gratitude? How can we grow? How can we graduate in gratitude? So we're going to take some lessons this morning from a few people in Scripture and we're going to start with Moses. 
in this passage in Deuteronomy chapter 8. I'm going to read from verse 7. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. So just to give a little bit of context, Moses is speaking to the Israelites here. They've been wandering around the desert for a very long time. And he's speaking about when they go into the promised land. The Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with brooks, streams, and deep springs gushing out into the valleys and hills. Just think about how appealing this must be, especially if you've been in the desert for such a long time. A land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil and honey. A land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing. A land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I'm giving you this day. When you get into the promised land, Moses is saying, don't forget God. Don't forget the one who took you there. Isn't that a a tendency of humankind, right, to forget? To forget the good things, to forget maybe the things that we asked for for so long, and then once we have them, we forget where they came from. In, um, in the New Testament, there's that story of the 10 lepers who came to Jesus and asked to be healed. And Jesus said, well, go and show yourselves to the priest. And on their way, they were healed. And how many came back to thank Jesus? Only one. Only one. Because so often, we just carry on with life. We've got other things to get to. We don't pause to say thank you. Sometimes we even forget So why is Moses saying this? Well, he's seen firsthand the tendency of the Israelites to forget. He has led them through the desert and he has heard them moan and grumble and grumble and moan. I get so irritated with the Israelites when I read these stories. You know, they're there and they're in the desert and they're like, oh, this is so terrible. It wasn't it better back in Egypt, back in slavery. You know, at least we had food to eat, they say. God has brought us out here to kill us. And all these moans and grumbles, I get so irritated. I want to say, look, Oaks, Jesus, God just parted the Red Sea for you. He's led you through the desert. He's like made bread that arrives every day. You've seen water come out of a rock. Like pull yourselves together here, guys. And then I look at myself. You, I can moan and grumble, hey? I can forget things that God has just done the other day for me. Things that I've been praying for for ages and ages and ages. And then I see an answer and I just carry on. How often and how quickly we forget. And this is where gratitude comes in. Because God's gifts alone are not able to give you joy. They will only bring you joy when they are joined with your gratitude. They'll only bring you joy when you receive them with joy. If you receive them without gratitude, you'll probably still be grumpy, but just sitting in a pile of gifts, right? You can be surrounded by all of this good stuff. You can be surrounded by all of the opportunities that you hope for and ask for, all of the blessings, all the relationships, all the provision, all the goodness. But if you don't know what to do with those blessings... If you don't know how to turn them into thanksgiving, into praise, if you don't know how to be grateful for them, 
what use is having more stuff, more blessings? If we can't turn them into praise, we will never step into that place of joy or of happiness or of peace. And Moses speaks to this. And so maybe what we need is not the next level of accumulation, but the next level of appreciation. Maybe if we learned to appreciate, we wouldn't actually need more at all. If you grow in gifts, but not gratitude, what have you gained? God gives you something, but you don't know what to do with it. What good is it? God's gifts alone are not able to give you joy. They will only bring you joy when they are received, when they are joined with your gratitude. And that's why we have to practice. That's why we have to practice gratitude. Remember, gratitude is not natural, especially when you're sitting at the kiddies' table. You know, I'm going to ask some people to bring in a kiddies' table for us so that um, we can remember it. When you're sitting at the kiddies' table, you have to be reminded so often, what do you say? Thank you. What do you say? Thank you. And we need to remember that the kiddies' table was where the Israelites were sitting. They were just learning to understand Moses was teaching them that God was their provider. This was a new thing for them. And so they were learning. This is basic gratitude right here. Basic gratitude, things that we would teach our kids so Moses teaches them how to thank God, and he says to them, when you've eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Praise the Lord your God for the, for the, for the provision that he's put on your table, whatever that looks like. It's the basics of praise and gratitude. Thank you for the. I praise you for the. Thank you for the people around me. Thank you for the roof over my head. Let's practice that. Thank you for the. What can we thank God for? Shout it out. Thank you for the food that you've provided me with. Thank you for the health that I have. Thank you for the family you've given me. Thank you for the. The church I'm placed in, there was one over there. The friends around me, thank you, Lord, for the. Thank you for whatever you've put in front of me that I can see. Thank you for the church I have. Thank you for the breath in my lungs. Thank you for the ability to smell. Thank you for the wind that I feel on my face. Thank you for the education that I've received. Thank you for the pet that I have. Thank you for the. Thank you for your provision, God. For the, this is what Moses is teaching at the kiddies table here. Thank you for the food. For the, it's basic. It's a basic form of gratitude. But many of us don't actually even get here. We might be sitting at the kiddies table and still we're completely unaware of what we see, what, what's in front of us. We don't see it. Often because we're looking at our brother or sister's plate over there, hey? We're looking at what they've got, and then all we can see is what we don't have. What has God put in front of you? What has he put in front of you? What can you thank him for? 
The world doesn't market appreciation, right? They don't say, oh, just sit where you are, be grateful for what you've got. It's always about what you don't have and what you need because that's how you sell stuff, right? Case in point, the day after the American Thanksgiving is Black Friday. <laughs> We're so grateful for everything. Oh, we need all of that stuff, you know? Let's go crazy and get all the more. I can't even have one day of just being grateful, not wanting more. When Barry and I put something in front of our kids, yo, it's so great when they just say, thank you, mom, without us having to say, what do you say? And I tell you what, when they don't, I just want to like pick it up and take it back to the kitchen, you know? But how often are we like that? God puts something in front of us. He puts his faithfulness in front of us. He puts his goodness or his kindness in front of us. And we just sit there acting as if we deserve it. Say something. What do you say? Thank you, God. Let's practice gratitude. Let's practice gratitude for the things that we can see, for the things that he's put in front of us, for his provision. Now, God is so gracious with us. You know, he's not like, he won't just pull it out and, you know, I'm going to take it back to the kitchen until you can say thank you. He's not like ESCOM either. You know, ESCOM likes it when we appreciate them. In fact, they, they send us a little reminder every month to appreciate them, to appreciate their faithfulness to us. If we fail, we lose power. But they do give us a little window of opportunity to rectify that. They send us an invitation to show them our gratitude, right? And if we forget, it'll be stamped with overdue. Is our praise overdue? Is our praise overdue? We need to graduate from this attitude of gratitude to habits of gratitude that are the, w the way that we live our life. We're grateful just as the way that we live our life. Thank you for the... But we also want to graduate from the kiddies' table. We don't want to be sitting here forever, right? We don't want to only thank God when he puts something in front of me, when he serves me. You know, it's not mature gratitude when we thank God for what he's given us. It's important. It's not mature gratitude. It's actually just politeness. Just manners. We expect that from our children to thank us when we give them something, for God to thank God when he gives us something. We want, we want to graduate. I'm going to ask the next table to come in. We're going to ask David from Scripture to help us as we graduate from the kiddies' table to the banquet table. And as these guys set up, I'm going to read for us from Psalm 23, from Psalm chapter 23 that David writes. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all 
the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord is my shepherd. David shows us a next level of gratitude, a next level of praise. Moses teaches us how to thank God for the... David teaches us how to be grateful even though... Even though, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. For you are with me. This is the kind of gratitude that that hymn writer would have been speaking about where he said, when peace like a river attendeth my way, or when sorrow like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, you've taught me to say it as well with my soul. I will thank God even though. Can we have gratitude even though? Even though my heart is breaking. I thank God even though I lost someone or even though I'm disappointed. I will thank you, God, even though I am hurting, even though I lost my job, I can be grateful. Even though my health is gone, even though my child is off the rails, I thank God. Why? Because he is with me. David teaches us to be grateful even though, because we can be grateful for the presence of God. We can be grateful for the presence of God here. We thank God for the, for the things that we can see. Over here, we are thankful even though for the things that we cannot see, for the presence of God that goes with us that we cannot see. So where do you want to sit? You want to sit at the kiddies' table? The kiddies' table is super fun. At least in our house it is. You know, when, when our kids are relegated to the kiddies' table, they don't want to sit there. They want to graduate to the banquet table. They want to sit here with the grown-ups. Hey? And so you might feel like David, sitting at this table, maybe even surrounded by your enemies. Surrounded by your enemies. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. But you know who's also sitting at the table? God. His presence is with you. In the presence of your enemies, he is also there. So are we able to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith? To fix our eyes and to say, even in the presence of my enemies of my disillusionments, of my addictions, of my disappointments, my losses, my threats, I will fix my eyes on Jesus because he is with me. Even though I can be grateful. Even though. So often when we face difficulty, we wanna go back to this table, right? But we want to go sit at this table, not to thank God for the, 
but to moan because there's vegetables on our table and our plate. I don't want to eat the vegetables. This is too hard. But I can thank God for the end. I can thank God even though. When we graduate to this table, we need to bring this with us. Thanking God for the is really important. We need to bring it with us. But we can also thank God and be grateful even though it might take a while to graduate. So many lessons that we've got to learn, but we can graduate from the kiddie table to the banquet table. But we need one more level, one more level, and we're going to look at the character of Paul in Scripture because we can learn a lot about gratitude from Paul. Here we, we, we thank God for that. I've definitely lived at this table, right? I find it quite easy to be grateful here. Thank God for the sunshine. I think I even managed to to sit here fairly regularly. Thank God even though it's raining. Even though there's criticism around me or calamity. Even though things are hard. But graduating to this next level, this is hardcore. Good old Paul is writing from a prison cell. He's writing while he's in chains, while people are stirring up trouble for him. And he says this, It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does that matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. So there is Paul sitting in a prison cell, rejoicing and being grateful that the message of Jesus is being preached even though it's making his life worse. He sees a bigger picture. This is like intense, graduated cum laude kind of stuff in terms of gratitude. He's teaching us not only to praise God in spite of, but he's found the purpose that leads him to praise God because of. Because of. This big picture because of, not because of the pain, but because of what the pain is producing. He sees this big picture. He sees God's purpose, and that is what he's grateful for. He's grateful for the purpose of God. That's maturity. The truth is you don't need to be seated at any table. You can thank God in the the kitchen. You can be grateful in the kitchen. Shivers, bring me that pot. You can be grateful right in the kitchen before anything has been served up. You can be grateful because you know the cook. And whatever he serves up is good. Whatever he serves up is good. It's kind of like Paul is saying here, you know what? I've eaten at the table of the Lord long enough to know that he's doing something good in my life. 
or he's doing something good through my life. That is part of a bigger picture. It's bigger than me. It might be hard for me, but I can be grateful because of his purpose. What's God stirring up? You know, Barry and I, um, we are going to celebrate our 15th anniversary in January. Now, Barry is a cook. I have learned to cook. I'm not a cook. You know the difference, right? So for me, food preparation is, is a functional task. For Barry, it's like art. doesn't matter how long it takes. Even making a sandwich. I mean, I'm like, just put some cheese and tomato on the sandwich and eat it, and then you won't be hungry anymore. That's like my attitude. He's like, no, we must make a sandwich. <laughs> and back in the day when we were first married, he would always ask me, what would you like on your sandwich? And I'd be like, oh, just whatever. No? He's like, no, but what do you want on your sandwich? It's like, just cheese and tomato is fine. And he'd be like, is there, do you want some sauce? And I'd look over and I'd be like, what is he doing? He's like cutting up gherkins and pepper juice and like this spice and this thing. And I'm like, just mayonnaise is fine, thanks. <laughs> I'll just have it my way, you know? And then we would sit down. He would take quite a lot longer, but we'd sit down to eat our sandwich and I would have food envy every time. I would look at his sandwich and I would be like, why didn't you make that for me? <laughs> you know? looks so boring. Now, 15 years later, when Barry asks me, what would you like on your sandwich? You know what my answer is? I want to know however you're going to make it. However you're going to make it. Because I trust him. He knows me. He knows what I like. He knows what I don't like. And I know that he's going to do it better than I could do it myself. But I trust him. I don't have to watch there in the kitchen. Oh, what's he putting? What's he putting? Oh, don't, oh, don't put that on. I don't even need a comment. Because of, we can be grateful because of God's purpose. It's bigger than us. God knows us. He will do it better than we could do it ourselves. Whatever he serves up is going to be good. May not be free of pain, but it will be good. It may not be easy, but it will be good. You know, Scripture tells us to taste and see that the Lord is good. I feel like some of us might be tasting bitterness in our lives at the moment. And that's because not everything is good. But God has the ability to turn everything for good for those who love him. You know, if you, if you chew on a clove of garlic before it's been added into the sauce, it doesn't taste great, eh? Because it's not done. It's not done yet. It's not finished. And in your life, if you're tasting bitterness, perhaps he's not done yet. But you can be grateful because of the fact that he is the master chef. His purpose is big and it's good. Regardless of where you find yourself, you can trust his purpose. And beyond that, you can be grateful for his purpose, even when we don't understand it. Even when we don't see anything in front of us, we can trust 
that he's got it. And he's stirring up something good. Jeremiah 29 verse 11 is a common scripture. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And Paul says, yes, I will continue to rejoice because of we can continue to be grateful. It's an ongoing life of practice, of habits, of action, and of heart. So do you think that you can graduate in gratitude today? I don't know where you find yourself right now. Maybe you're just kind of starting out. This is a good table to sit at. And to keep on growing from. All of us should keep on growing. Keep on growing. Perhaps something has taken you from this table back to that table. Maybe even throwing a little bit of a strop with the Lord at the moment. How can we be grateful? How can we see what is in front of us? Can we graduate? Can we be grateful for the be grateful for his provision. I want to encourage you at some time during this week, maybe even today, to make a list of all the things that you're grateful for. We did this in a staff pre-meeting years ago. We had 15 minutes to write all the things that we're grateful for. That is a long time to write a list. Now, I wrote down all the normal ones, you know, and then I had to think further than that. My list was so long. So when you start to look at what is in front of you, instead of looking for the things that aren't, you'll see how many things there are to be grateful for. So make a list. I want to encourage you. Can we graduate? Can we be grateful even though? Even though, can we be grateful for the presence of God in our lives? Maybe sometime this week you can take a moment just for you and God. Go for a walk somewhere. Sit in the garden. Remind yourself of his presence. I know that there's stuff going on in our lives. For many of us, hectic stuff. But can you be grateful even though? Because he is with you. You can put your hand out and he will grip your hand and he will walk with you. His presence is with you. Can you be grateful even though? And can we graduate even further and ask God to show us the big picture? Can I be grateful for God's purpose and my teeny tiny little role in that big story? To say if God is glorified, if God's story is made great, if, if God is made great, actually, I'm grateful for this little part that I get to play because of his purpose in my life. God is good, and it's the season for gratitude. Let's pray together. God, I want to thank you for so much. There's so much 
that we can be grateful for so much. God, thank you that I don't have to feel grateful in order to be grateful. God, I pray that you will grow gratitude in us and that it would lead to all sorts of beautiful things, happiness and joy and peace and contentment. But train us to be grateful. Train us in gratitude. Even this week, as we lead into Christmas, there's so much to be grateful for. Help us to see with eyes of gratitude. Help us to live lives of gratitude this week and going forward. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless and practice gratitude this week.